Welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp as per usual. Scott, it's great to see you once again. Good to see you. Do you have a pleasant weekend? A very pleasant weekend. Actually, I saw a really beautiful thing over the weekend, walking up the uh, the break wall, and these young 20-year-old people just turned up and started collecting rubbish. I thought it was a really wonderful thing for oh, our environment. Yeah, really good. Yeah, I don't know why they do, but they were out there in the cold and wet. They might have just been doing it for the sake of it. It seemed like that. Nice, nice people. Oh, good on them. Well, speaking of cleaning up... I don't know how that cuts to garden talk back, but what do you got for us today? Scott? Well, today I thought we'd talk about Hoya plants, uh, purple carrots as well. Give ah, them a crack. And the mandarin, a lovely fruit that you can get at the moment. Very tasty. How good are mandarins? They are quite nice at the moment, too. They are. And we've got Jerry from Terrigal. We've got a question about the bird of paradise. Yeah, good day. How hey, are you? Good, Jerry. How can we help you, mate? Oh, good day, Scott. Uh, mate, I put in a continuous planting of about 10. Uh, Strelitz, I think they're called yes, that. Yes, yes, Strelitz, uh, Strelitz is. Uh, uh, Strelitz, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. And um, five went really well. They're flowering beautifully, but the other five just look like they're dead. They're not dead, but there's nothing on the leaves. There's nothing on the flowers. So I got it down to fifty percent. How? Have I, what did I do wrong? Mate, I, 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 that's a that's a good question because they are about <laughs> one of the toughest plants you can get. Uh, yeah. mate, they they come from South Africa, so I guess they're pretty tough. Um, they haven't been pretty tough in the World Cup. The South Africans this uh, this time around I had to get that one in. Sorry, there, everyone out there who's South African. Um, but yeah, look, they are a very tough plant. Which ones did you put in? Was it the the taller growing uh, one or the the short one with the orange flower, like the bird of paradise? God, I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure it's the one with the flower, the bird of paradise, or the magnificent, one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Look, and there is the other one. People used to call it uh, traveller's palm, and it gets much taller with a bigger sort of purple and white flower. Uh, no, it's a red. It's a, excuse me. It's a red, uh, yellow, and that, yeah. that type one. Yeah. Okay. So you've you've got the old normal bird of paradise in there. Yeah. Uh, look, I would say to you is I wouldn't go pulling them out. I'd just keep on watering them. And hope this rain does something for them because they are such a tough plant uh, that you know even if there's some you know material left in the root system, you might get some new shoots coming back out. Okay. And and off you go again. Just if there's anything particularly dead and browned off, you know, go and prune that that away. Uh, okay. But generally, I'd, I'd leave them for a couple more months and just see what happens. Sure, it happens. Thank you. Yeah. And can I throw a really quick one in? We put in Absolutely. some palms. Yes. And uh, it was about oh, 12 months ago. They're not really growing very well. <laughs> I expect them to be about a metre by now. They're still only about 600. So maybe I should have put them in sand or something. Or yeah, what's, What sort of palms did you put in, mate? Oh, I'm still apologise. I only just uh, I listen to you guys all the time, and I only just bring in off off the cuff. So I, I wasn't prepared. I apologise for that. So that's the best uh, way. It's the best way to be off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, what we are here all the time. <laughs> so um, if you gave me a name, I'd tell you what they were. But yeah, but no, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's other listeners calling in, and I thank you for your time. Well, look, look, I'll, I'll just give you a quick bit of advice about your palm, and that is, look, don't particularly worry about it. At the, you know, especially if it's still alive there for you. Now, we are going through the colder months now so you're not going to see too much growth on a palm tree or the you know your strelitzias for that matter as well okay. again i would just wait what's probably happened is you've stuck them in the ground they've bedded themselves in a little bit their root system starting to spread out so you haven't seen much growth in the actual plant no. uh, but once we get to the warmer months I, i'm envisaging you will see you know a fair bit of growth with your palm tree uh, look mate you can fertilize them if you want to um, i'd give uh, some cow manure 
okay. to your palm tree. You know, it doesn't have, not that there's many sort of cows wandering around tropical jungles, but uh, you know, it's not going to hurt them. Uh, dynamic and, lifter, maybe. Yeah, dynamic lifter. That's okay. probably even a safer way to go. So give them okay. some of that and uh, see how they go. I reckon as we get into these, you know, September right through to January, February, you'll see a lot of growth in those palms after they've bedded themselves in for that initial year, and hopefully the same thing with your uh, bird of paradise. Thank you very much to both of you and all the best to everyone at the radio station. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you, Jerry. Have a nice afternoon. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we've got Coralie from Medowie on the line. She's got a question about orchids. And, uh, hey, Coralie, how can we help you? Oh, hello. How are you? Yeah, good, good, good. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I had a great big orchid. It's just like a, a normal, just a brown flower. Mm-hmm. Um, and I separated them and it's probably about 18 months ago. And I've got some in the shade, some in the sun and walk. Fed them, but there's no flowers anymore. Oh, okay. Because if you did them 18 months ago, then you should have got flowers this year. Uh, what yeah. sort of mix did you stick them into? No, orchid mix. Into a proper, yeah, nice open orchid mix, yeah, because it's, yeah. it's, it's really important if you are separating orchids to uh, to make sure that you put them into a nice open mix. You don't put them into a normal potty mix, but it sounds like you've done absolutely the right thing there, Coralie. Uh, like look, the, leaves are, the leaves are great, like it's oh, flourishing, but yes. there's just no flower. Oh, well, that, that's really good. Uh, look, as far <laughs> as the, the brown, darker-coloured ones go, uh, look, you should be starting to get flowers on those this time of year because orchids are a funny thing. They eat, like, white ones flower first and then, you know, pinks and then yellows. I don't think I got the order right then, but uh, you understand yeah. what I mean. So that certain colours and varieties flower at certain times of the year, all in amongst this time of year, but yours should have been starting to, to spike up by now. Look, the yeah. only thing I could say to you is just uh, go get some specific orchid fertiliser and start yeah. using that uh, you know, regularly and routinely. Uh, it's probably not going to do anything for you this year, but certainly if you're starting to promote that uh, flowering uh, for them with that fertiliser, then next year you should get some really nice spikes coming out of them. Mm. Ty- mm. Typically when you, when you split an orchid, you don't get a flower spike from it that next year but you said 18 months so you know yeah, I'm, about that. Yeah, yeah. No, look I'm not fantastic with the you know the calendar but I'm, I'm thinking that you should have at least got something out of it this year I would uh, make sure you just do the fertilizing you've got some in the sun you've got some in the shade so you're hedging yeah, your yeah. bets there um, <laughs> and, and look that don't don't bother about that that's a great thing to do it's you know they'll bet each way they'll bob each way so um, yep. Hopefully next year you will get some uh, spikes out of them because they really are a beautiful plant and very easy to look after. Yeah. Uh, and look, a great uh, a great thing that you've got really nice green leaves on there as well. The plant is generally healthy. It just needs a bit of a you know a boost in the arm, uh, you know, some vitamins to get it flowering for you. Okay. Okay. Right. Good luck with Thank it, Coralie. You. Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, we'll Thanks get some. Thanks very much. Might hear from you next year. Okay. okay. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye. We've got Steve now from Barnsley. He's got a question about the Great Scott Rose. Ooh, <laughs> tell me about it, Steve. Okay, mate. A um, uh, bit over 12 months ago, I had friends at Westie. Yes. And um, there was a rose need of moving, so I asked you. Yes. And I moved it, as you said, per se. Yes. And... When it started shooting again, etc., they have named it Great Scott. Oh, very nice. <laughs> very so I don't know if it was Greg or Mark that asked you about how roses get their name. Well, 
That one in particular has your name. Oh, well, that, that's lovely. We won't give that to Mark. Great I think we'll give, we'll give that one to Greg. Oh, yeah, I definitely asked that question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah look, oh. yeah. He's, look his, hand, his hand's on his heart right at the moment, Steve. He's not telling a lie. Well, it could be Scott Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, that, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm really glad that the advice uh, for, you, for your friends out there paid off and that they were able to move the rose, and it's uh, looking nice and healthy. Well, actually, I did the moving and whatever. Okay, I'm, you did the digging. I'm their rose pruner. Yes, okay. <laughs> no, that, that's, re- that's really good. Uh, what co- what colour's uh, my rose? Uh, red. Red, okay. Uh, a nice... Um, Shiraz red. Ooh, that's sounding, it's sounding even better. Not even Chardonnay yellow, I wouldn't have minded that either. Oh. <laughs> I think I, Greg's probably looking for an amber lager coloured rose, but uh, you know, uh, each, each to their own. Possibly. Yeah. I'll take a Shiraz one as well. Yeah. We're yet to produce that. <laughs> well, who knows, with some cross pollinisation and some you know, hybridisation, you might get those, uh, those couple of colours out of them as well. Righto, mate. Righto, good on you. I, I, I had to let you know. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for the call, Steve. See you, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Congratulations. You've got a rose named after you. Well, I mean, you're next in line then. We, you know, I don't know next where time. Mark's going to go on this. Um, maybe third on the list. Third on the list, yeah. Bottom rung. Bottom <laughs> rung. <laughs> when they're desperate to name something. Oh, so cruel. you <laughs> will burst in here soon getting angry with us. <laughs> I think he's at the window right now. Oops. No, he's fine. We've got Roger now from Aberglasset, and he's got a question about citrus trees and chilies. Roger, how can we help you? Yes, hi. I've got um, bird's eye chilies, and they really bear a lot of fruit. Yes. They're up to about five and a half foot tall. Ooh. And I'm just wondering, should I prune them back now to about one foot high uh, and wait till I come through again in spring next year to bear more fruit? Yes. Or would you just let them go and uh, I don't want them much higher than they are? No, that, that's fine. I'm wondering if I should hand you over to my chilli expert, Greg. He's the one who's always growing chilies in the in the garden. I've never had a chilli tree grow that big, though. Okay. Oh, well, look, do, you want to, do you want me to handle this then? No, I think you better. Okay. Uh, look, Roger, <laughs> I, I, yes, I, I agree with you about the pruning, and I just wouldn't do it right now. I would uh, wait till mid-August before you do that. Right. Uh, so with a chilli tree, any of the fruiting, you know, and with most plants, actually, most of the fruiting is always going to be on the new growth uh, where you get the flowers. So yeah, yeah. Doing, doing it now, you'll just get this sort of stunted, you know, tree that might send out some new growth because it's so cold, it would probably get burnt off anyway. So yeah. I would wait till mid-August, just leave your plant as it is with that nice, you know, hard growth on there. Give it a prune back and a fertilise mid-August and I think you'll have another great crop of chilies for the year. Next question, please. Uh, citrus trees. Yes. I've got their potted lemon, mandarin, lime and orange. Yes. And I've purchased from Bunnings one of those lots of lemons. Mm-hmm. And I think they should probably rename that because it's not true. There's, no, <laughs> there's only one lemon on it. All right, uh, okay, yep. <laughs> but they're again potted and I've followed the instructions that they gave you on it to only put it in a pot twice the size of the pot you've got mm-hmm. to plant in. And there's lots of growth, but it's all, uh, there's no, it's not bearing any flowers or only one lemon on it, and it was there when I bought it. Okay, and you're you treating it the same way as your other citrus trees? The same fertiliser. Um, it probably wouldn't be fine to prune a lot of these now. I've got a bit of curly leaf on uh, 
on some of those citrus trees, the leaves are curling, but I think that's that insect that comes out after dark and yeah, that, again, I, I wouldn't uh, go you're sort of willy-nilly pruning your citrus at this time for the same reason I wouldn't uh, prune your chilli at this moment. Now, from my, my memory about lots of lemon, it's actually a seed-grown uh, Maya lemon, uh, which they gave a fancy marketing name to at the time. Um, look, it, it should fruit and flower for you. There's no reason it shouldn't. But uh, I always think that uh, you know getting a grafted citrus is the way to go. You've got it on a much better rootstock. Uh, yeah. So, look, a great idea. The lots of lemons, um, but I, you know, I, I think you go for the grafted ones if you can. Uh, look, with that one, I would just start fertilising it. Uh, there's a product called Sudden Impact, which is actually very good for roses, but it's also excellent for citrus because they like exactly the same conditions. And you want to get flowers from your roses, and you want to get flowers from your citrus as well to form the fruit. So I, I would go grab some of that sudden impact and, and give that a go. Again, mate, don't fertilize, uh, don't uh, prune uh, until mid-August with your citrus plant. Okay, thank you kindly, Scott. That's all right, not a problem. Okay. And uh, look, and just to on the record, Greg would have said exactly the same thing about your chili. Pretty much, maybe a few words differently, yeah, just a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Different punctuation. We picked about three hundred yesterday, and i stripped the bush altogether. Wow, that's fantastic. What, what do you do with them? Uh, you well, make jam or...? Well, we do make jam and we make sauce and we just dry them and I've got one of those chilli grinders. Yes. Uh, and just on your... You can't beat it on toast egg, just grind a bit of chilli on it. Yeah. Um, and others, whatever you eat, you know, just a bit of chilli, it's beautiful. See, I was, I was listening to your voice and it's a little bit hoarse and that, now we know why because you, you consume so much chilli, you're just a little bit ragged down there in the throat. <laughs> no, no, it's that man flu. Oh, no, I know what that's like. It's a terrible, terrible affliction. I think everyone's yeah. got that at the moment. Yeah, a lot of men have got it anyway. <laughs> well, women don't seem to get it like us folks. No, something about us, it, it hits us harder. <laughs> All right, well, good, good on you, Roger. Thanks for the call, mate. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye. And we've got Kate from Lampton, and she's got a question about the ponytail palm. Good afternoon, Kate. How can we help? Hello. Um, I think the ponytail's about 20 years old, and mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's reasonably tall, but it seems to have had a baby. Um, it's great. The baby is, is about a metre high. It's yes. growing out of the the ball or the bowl thing at the bottom of the ponytail. Yes. And I don't know whether I should leave it there or see what happens or is it going to have more babies? Well, I, I, it's 20 years old. It, it should be doing that. You know, it's a reproductive age, so it, sh- it should be doing that. Uh, but, look, that's up to you, I guess. Uh, ponytail palms, people often think that they just get the bulb and the single stem coming out of them and then the one ponytail, but they actually don't. If you prune the plant, you can prune that uh, trunk off if you wanted to, and then you'll get multiple ponytail heads coming out of there and, and that's what's happening with yours at the moment it's just sending out new shoots down the bottom it's taken a long time to do it um, yeah. but uh, look there's, there's no reason uh, why you can't just let it go and you'll sort of have a, a, a different you know you'll have a plant with another stem eventually coming out of it yeah the thing is that the, that the baby is, is growing to the point where it's pushing the mother um, stem over the trunk of the main you know the mother plant um, it's pushing it over okay well you know, if, if you want to if you wanted to actually prune that stem off, you could replant that and have two of them um, rather than just the one with the two heads. Okay. Yeah, there's no, re- no reason you can't do that. You can just prune it off and stick it in another pot and it will grow roots and you'll have a, an entirely uh, new plant as well. 
they're expensive to buy too, aren't they? Well, they're a bit slow growing. That's why they're yeah. They're, I mean, it's paying for time um, when you're paying for a slow growing plant. But uh, okay, yeah. But and the other thing, if you wanted to, you can lop off the main head and let it split out from there as well, and you sort of get a fluffy, you know, multi-headed ponytail palm. Okay, yeah. like a gorgon. Oh, yeah, yeah, very good way, good way of looking at it. So, um, look, you've got a lot of options um, with your ponytail, a little bit like a, a Dracaena. Uh, you know, when you, they get those long woody stems on them, and then when you cut them, yep. you get multiple uh, heads coming out from them. So uh, I think that's probably the best way of looking at a ponytail palm. Treat it a bit like a, a Dracaena, and you'll get the same result, a little bit okay. slower growing, though. I've also got three hibiscus syriacus, mm-hmm. and there's hardly a leaf on any of them that hasn't been eaten by some little bludger that I can't find. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've, I've pretty much, well, I've pruned one of them fairly hard, um, and I'm going to do the others because they look so disgusting mm-hmm. the way they are, and I don't know what else to do. Yeah, look, it was probably hibiscus, um, you know, lace beetle uh, on there doing that damage for you. Uh, look, pruning it back, it's not a bad idea. Um, and then look, during winter, the, they'll have gone away. They don't like the cold, those particular insects. And uh, when it gets back through to August, September, then you'll get a nice new fresh um, little leaves coming through and uh, hopefully the, the uh, lace beetle will stay away for you know enough time that you'll get a, a decent-looking plant again. Yeah, well, do they eat at night or what do they do? Because I can't see any. Yeah, look, they actually do come out at night. Um, they, they just go and sort of hide away. You can spray preventatively if you want to. You'd probably use a pyrethrum spray just to try and keep them under control. Well, it didn't work. Ah, oh, okay, no, no. Look, right. they, look, that is one of the trouble with hibiscus. They are, a, a, look, a fantastic, and I'm talking both you know, types of hibiscus here as well. They are a beautiful flowering plant. You get lots of flowers, but they are susceptible to the beetle. Um, look, again, again they'll, they're a plant that tolerates frost, salt. You know, they can grow them right near the beach in terribly sandy conditions. But, uh, uh-huh. yeah, the, the, the sort of the lace beetle just really, uh, you know, consumes them, um, you know, quite quickly. Like you said, little bludgers. Yes, they are. Yes. Hungry little budgets. Well, they are. I mean, they must be fat and full once they've had a decent meal on yours. Yeah, I'd reckon. <laughs> okay, thanks very much. Okay, have a nice afternoon, Kate. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, we've got Margaret now from East Maitland, and she's got a question about gardenias. Hello, Margaret. How can we help? Oh, hi, Scott. Uh, yes, we've got a gardenia. It's about a metre and a half tall, but it's very spindly. I'm just wondering when would be a suitable time to uh, prune it. Oh, everyone wants to have a prune at this time of year, don't they? I think what happens is you get to winter and the plants do get a bit sort of spindly and tall, and then you want to prune, uh, and you can if you want to. But I, I think if you go and prune that, that gardenia now, you're just going to get a very, very bare plant for the next couple of months. So you might right, get some growth right. coming out on it. Um, but look, with, with your gardenia, I would wait uh, till the start of August uh, and then give it your prune back then. All right, then. So give it another month or so and then give it a prune. Yes, just get through that. You know, just when we start to feel the days getting longer and, you know, the cold sort of starting to turn, uh, that's when you give it. You can go a little bit earlier with the gardenia. I know we've been saying with uh, some other plants today, uh, you know, don't cut until mid-August or September. But with your gardenia, you can actually cut back uh, at the start of August if you'd like to. Then thank you very much for that. Okay, give it a feed of cow manure at that time as well, and you should get a beautiful plant uh, over the summer months. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Thank you very much, Scott. See you later, Margaret. Bye bye. Bye. It's Gardening Talk back on to a new RFM. Steve from the Garden Suburb, and he wants to know when's appropriate time to spray brand new lawn to prevent lawn grubs in the future. Hey, Steve, what's happening? You put down a new lawn, mate. I have, Scott. I've laid a uh, Sir Walter 
uh, lawn about six weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it, it, play, it was turf, and it's taken very nicely. Um, in my backyard, I do have, I have had this this year lawn grubs, which I've sprayed them. What I don't want to do is wake up one morning and find dead patches in my new lawn and spray it to kill them. But but I'm thinking, is there not a way of preventative spraying so that I don't encounter that problem later? Yeah, look, there, there is, but I think you're probably getting in a, a touch too early at the moment. Typically, yeah. lawn grubs, uh, you know, start their, their feeding habit uh, around January, February, March here in Newcastle. Right. Uh, and they're the result of a little white moth that flies around and lays its eggs, and then they, the, obviously the caterpillars uh, hatch out and they start having a feed on your lawn. You may have some eggs dormant in your back lawn from uh, last year. When did you uh, yeah. finally get rid of them, mate, in the back lawn? Um, well, I, I, I went down to Bunnings. Um, what are we now in? So February, about March, I went down to Bunnings yeah. and bought the appropriate chemicals and sprayed it and the grass since then has recovered because we had a very long summer um but yeah so it was february march when i sprayed them in the back yeah. lawn but, but the new lawn went down about six weeks ago yep okay so look don't don't so, worry about your new lawn and indeed your back lawn until i would say the start of january uh, start of january and then i would uh, grab some chemicals uh, you know the appropriate ones there's lots of different ones you can get you can get uh, yep. hose on you can get granular ones uh, you just yep. get ones you can use with a watering can and uh, just start uh, you know applying those um look probably you know, a couple of times, you know, a month, uh, yep. you know, in January, February, and then March. And I reckon yep. that you will uh, largely keep your lawn grub under control if you're doing right. that. Because, you, you try, because you've got that uh, spraying regime in place, as soon as any hatch out and get going, you're actually getting onto them before they've done the damage. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Scott. Okay. Well, thanks so much for your advice. No and worries. I'll now, now have to mark my calendar when I start my preventative regime. And don't worry. And look, the other thing is just to do your whole lawn. Just uh, Often people just do the patches, but uh, yeah. you know that's where they've already been. They've already had their feed. Yeah. Uh, they've moved yeah. on to the next restaurant after that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, look, make sure you do your whole lawn uh, when you're doing that preventative spraying. I will. Thank you so much for your advice. Okay, good on you, Stephen. Have a nice afternoon. Thanks. Bye-bye. I will. Bye. We've got Alan now from Fullerton Cove, and he's got a question about the carnelian rose. The, the rose that changes colour. <laughs> Alan, how can we help? Hello, yes. Um, thanks very much. Uh, look, I've had a reasonably healthy carnelian rose, and um, of late it's uh, becoming looking quite ill. And uh, as opposed to previously, the leaves are about a quarter of the size. Oh, okay. That, that sounds a bit odd. Uh, mate, have you been? Are they looking like they're curled up and stunted in any way? And have you been spraying with Roundup in the area? Roundup, um, no, no, no zero. Any, any one of those chemicals? Um, I'm not sure. The, the lawnman um, did something uh, with, with spraying recently. When I say recently. Um, Probably in summer. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. So it was a fair while ago. Yes. Yeah. Look, yeah. The, the other thing you can get on your rows are, you know, aphids and thrips, and they will distort the uh, size of the leaves and make them smaller. The reason okay. I mentioned, uh, you know, spraying zero or Roundup around uh, roses is that it's just an absolute no-no because it deforms the plant and it never comes back. You effectively have to dig it out and start again. Uh, but, mate, if you've got some aphids or, uh, aphids or thrips on there, you could just spray with a pyrethrum spray to try and get them under control. 
pie reckon. Yeah, but look, at this time of year, I wouldn't be overly concerned because your rose really should be going into dormancy now anyway and losing all its all leaves. Right. Uh, what I would be doing is giving it a prune back once it's lost its leaves, maybe in about a month's time, and then giving it a good feed. Mate, is it in a uh, pot or in the ground? It's in a pot. Okay. So now you just have to be a bit careful about it. You can't use poultry manure directly on roses that are in pots. Uh, I would use a product called Sudden Impact. Uh, It's fantastic for roses. It's a slow-release fertiliser, and you can use that about three or four times a year. Uh, sudden release. Uh, sudden impact, that one's called. Oh, sudden impact. Sudden impact. Yeah. I think it might have been a uh, Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry movie back in the day. Quite possibly. Quite possibly, just as a little bit of a movie reference there. Um, it's amazing the things we can segue through to on this show. <laughs> we, we always get there. Um, but like, I would give it some of that sudden impact and uh, give it the prune in uh, you know late July. And I think you'll get some nice new growth coming out of that rose and it should rectify itself. Okay, when do I put the sudden impact on? Uh, as soon as you've pruned it, mate. Oh, as soon as I've pruned it. Yeah, okay, thank, thanks very much, Scott. Enjoy your program, by the way. Okay, thank you, Alan. I think Greg's going to uh, confirm about sudden impact for us. It was a movie. It was Correct. a movie. Yeah. Clean Eastwood movie too. Dirty Harry, there we go. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> okay, good on you, Alan. Thanks for that. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. We've got Alice on the line from Thornton, and she's got a question about Bucks's Hedge. Hello, Alison. How can we help? Hi, how are you today? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've got some boxes of hedges in my front yard. Um, however, only half of them are growing. So the ones at the top end of the park, so it's on a little bit of an incline. The ones at the top end of the park are growing beautifully, but the ones down the bottom end have really stunted and they've kind of gone like a reddish sort of colour, like they're being affected from the cold, but they just don't seem to be growing. There's about five of them in total that have done that. Oh, okay. Look, that's unusual because usually what you find is the plant that's up the, you know, the top is getting less water and the plant down the bottom is getting more water. Uh, but it's, uh, what, which boxes did you put in, uh, English or Japanese? Japanese, Japanese, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. And they started, they've been in for a while. We started them as um, just like a little um, tube stock. Yes, so okay. they're really, yeah. really small. So they've been in the garden for probably two years now. Okay. So they've grown quite a bit, but just seem to be these five down the bottom end of the garden just aren't growing at all. Yeah, look, look they, and this time of year they will change colour with the cold. Only, only marginally you start to get the, sort of that reddy yellow tinge to them. That's why I was asking because English Bucks even gets a, a sort of a more colourisation to it. What I would be doing mm-hmm. is starting to fertilise those plants in particular to try and get them to catch up. Now, look, probably, okay. probably not now because you stick fertiliser in the soil at this time of year or, and it gets washed away. And it's too cold and the plant's not growing anyway, so it just leaches Mm -hmm. down through the soil and you've just wasted your time and money. So once we get through to the start of August, then I'd start fertilising around those particular boxes to try and, you know, give them the, uh, what would you, like a steroid injection almost of of manure. (laughs) Uh, And I would use cow manure on those boxes. Uh, So don't be shy about it. You know, five plants, you know, you might get a whole bag and sort of dump that all around them and then pull it away from the stem of the plant. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and just see what happens after that. And then hopefully they'll catch up with the other guys and uh, you'll be able to then just, uh, you know, fertilise generally all over at that point in time. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. That's all right. Have a nice afternoon, Alison. You too. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. We've got time for a couple more calls. We've got Patricia from Budgiewoy, and she's got a question about cymbidium orchids. Patricia, how can we help? Hi, Scott. How are you? Very well. Greg is so excited. He's just said cymbidium orchids correctly. He's uh, he's doing a lap, oh, okay. of, a lap of the studio. 
I'm very proud of yourself. He might even be able to answer your question for you. He might, absolutely. Look, my cymbidiums haven't flowered for three years. Ooh, okay, that's that's a bit that's a bit long. Is it? Yeah. Have, have I got a problem? What am I doing wrong? No, I, look, no, yeah. not, not necessarily. Have you repotted them in that time or? No, I repotted them three years ago. Right, okay. And did you do them into uh, some nice orchid mix? Yep, okay. sure did. Okay, because yep. we, we were talking to Coralie from Madawi uh, earlier on about her orchids, and so we went sort of through these same things with her. Um, but the, I would now start some fertilising with your orchid. It may be a little bit too late for this year, uh, but certainly fertilising with uh, a specific orchid uh, fertilizer and doing yeah. that according to the directions, you know, every month or so uh, yeah. until we get around to next year, and then hopefully you'll get some flower spikes out of it. It's unusual for them to do that. Usually they like to be nice and full in the pot, and when they're full in the pot, that's when you start getting flower oh, spikes. Okay, yeah, yeah. So if they're still a little bit, uh, yep. you know, I guess empty in the pot, that's not a very good way to describe it, but we're going to go with it. Uh, you might not be getting all, uh, flower spikes out of it for that right. reason, but certainly some um, fertilizers only going to help the plant. And do I put growing fertiliser or flowering fertiliser? Well, at this time of year, I would just use the growing fertiliser. You can get yeah. this. I, I do remember that you can get one which was a growing and a flowering and one. A flowering but it one. might be better just to get an all-round uh, yeah. orchid fertiliser and just use it monthly just to try and build up everything in the soil. They're outside under a tree. Perfect, yeah, absolutely. Perfect? Yeah, absolutely perfect. My grandfather used to grow them out in the full sun. Um, they always looked a bit untidy. Uh, you know, all the commercial growers now grow them under, uh, you know, an element of shade. Yeah. Uh, but uh, look, under a tree is fantastic. That's where they would naturally be. Um, yeah, that's in right. In the rainforest. Yeah. So, you know, you've got, got it in the right spot. They like some dappled sunlight. Uh, I think my grandfather, you know, God rest his, uh, I don't think he was doing quite the right thing by growing them out in the full sun, but uh, that was his way of doing it. And yeah. I think, uh, yeah, look, I think you'll get a decent result having it in under the tree. Okay. Okay. Thank you for the Thank call, you. Patricia. See ya. Bye-bye. I think we've got time for one more call to wrap us up today, Scott. Okay. We've got Jan from Catherine Hill Bay, and she needs advice about pruning a fig tree, also finger lime trees. Hello, Jan. How can we help? Hi, Scott. Can you hear me? I'm driving. Yeah, we can. We can. Don't, don't, don't Put the phone and make sure it's on hands-free for us, though. Okay. <laughs> um, so I have a fig tree that has been found uh, bearing figs for the past three years, but only one or two. Um, last year, I think I got half a dozen. Yes. Um, I'm just wondering, do I need to um, prune it? Yes. And it? Yeah, look, you certainly can prune your fig tree. Uh, time of year is perfect now and also fertilise it as well. I would just use a general all-round fertiliser on your fig tree, uh, you know, even something specific to uh, uh, like a, a citrus food if it's in the ground uh, and, and give it some of that. That should promote some, uh, you know, new fruit on it and some growth as well. Okay, so do I um, prune it hard? Oh, look, I never prune a fig back hard, just some light pruning. Uh, often at this time of year, you get some dye back in them anyway and you have to give them a tidy up. But uh, look, no, not a hard prune, just a light prune around the tip of the plant uh, to you know promote the, to spread out a little bit and get some decent fruiting on it again next year. Okay. Um, so each year it seems to be giving more and more fruit, but yes. it's pretty slow. It's only a young tree, but it's slow. Um, and the finger lines, yes. do I need to prune them? Hey, look, or you... just... 
No, look, you can certainly prune a finger lime. Uh, you can be a lot harder with that as well if you want to. They're a pretty resilient sort of plant. Uh, and then, again, uh, some fertiliser. Uh, you could use a product uh, that we've been talking about called Sudden Impact. Apparently, it will make the day. It will go ahead and make the day of the plant. Yeah, I, I heard that. Uh, well, thank, thank you for indulging that very poor joke on my behalf. Um, Peter, um, a little bit harder than the fish and some sudden impact. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank okay. you very Thanks, much. Jen. Enjoy the show. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. I thought you were going to say, if I, did I fertilise once or did I fertilise three times? Oh, don't, we can't go down that path, can we? That's just getting too obscure. <laughs> <laughs> it's Guardian Talkback on 2 and you RFM. Scott Sharp. Running out of time once again for another week. Didn't get time to talk about purple carrots and mandarins, oh, though. Oh, no, no. And no, I was really keen to talk about the old purple carrot. We can do a quick spray if you want to now. Well, how about we sort of give a, a precursor as to what we might talk about next week in, in, in more fulsome manner. Right, I just give them a taste of yeah, the purple carrot. Well, apparently, carrots all used to be purple. Didn't always, always used to be purple. Yes, and then we had some hybrids, and then uh, up in uh, Dutch land, and they turned them into uh, orange carrots. Right. I always thought carrots were always orange. And look, the only reason I I speak about this with some authority is because last night when I was having my kale that you sort of laughed at me about, uh, (laughs) as we were walking around the uh, the greengrocer last night, I decided that we were going to have a purple theme for dinner. So we had purple carrots. We had some potatoes with purple on them. Beetroot. Uh, Yes. I know we didn't go to the beetroot, but then we had the kale. So we just had this general purple theme. It was actually quite pleasant. Right. Yeah, very nice way to go. Did you get like a purple stain or anything or...? Uh, yes, actually, the uh, the carrot did stain the bench, so I had to do some cleaning up with that this morning. But I think yeah, we can talk about the carrots and how to grow carrots even, uh, I guess, um, more interest right, yeah. for people as well. But the, the purple carrot had a fantastic taste, very different to your orange carrot. Right, our purple carrots making a comeback. Okay, we're definitely going to talk about it next week. Lock it in. Definitely. I still want to talk about mandarins as well. Okay. Scotch up. See you next week. See you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.